I need to create a space where I can still flirt. I can still be myself. Does that mean I'm going to be out running around the city on you? No, but what it does mean is that I'm aware that I am attracted to the opposite sex a lot. I don't need to be emotionally attracted to them, but sexually I am. Well, I got to ask the million dollar question. Are you comfortable with your partner also engaging? No. Fascinating. You said no very quickly. Rome Green Jr. is the starring guest on this podcast. Rome is also my homie. And as my homie, you had to have known that I was going to lead with that mic drop moment. But don't worry. Around here, we prioritize dialogue, not drama. So you're going to be in good hands. And where exactly is around here? This is Lovers and Friends, a podcast hosted by me, Shambhudra. I am a sexologist with an educational background in psychology, sex education, and journalism who loves leading public discussions on taboo topics surrounding intimacy. Also, I'm one of the sex experts on season three of Too Hot to Handle on Netflix, which I think is, I think it's out right now. <gasps> oh, oh shit. Yeah, hello, handsome. And speaking of now, I know you are eager to get into this episode. So without further ado, let's talk about it. What do you do if you realize monogamy isn't for you? And that realization leads to another terrifying realization. Who? How? What the f- now. Yeah, you know how to stop telling my sisters no business. <laughs> but <laughs> she told it herself. I don't know if y'all seen Braxton Family Values season one. Tawanda had said that her and her husband <gasps> had an open relationship. And I was really? just like, well, what that mean? Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, Consensual non-monogamy, or CNM, is an umbrella term that describes commitment styles where people agree to have expectations for each other, while also agreeing that at least to some degree, monogamy is not one of those expectations. Monogamy is the practice of being romantically exclusive to one other person. Traditional monogamy meant you'd choose one person for life. But today's version of monogamy means you choose to romantically involve yourself with one person at a time. Forming sexual or romantic emotional connections outside of the relationship is generally a betrayal of the relationship. But what forming means is something each couple should explicitly discuss. For example, do feelings have to be reciprocated in order for an attraction to someone outside of the relationship to be considered in the danger zone? What happens when you're in the danger zone? Outside of the danger zone? What if you flirt with somebody else, but don't cross a physical barrier? What if you flirt with somebody else, cross an emotional barrier, but no physical barrier? What actually is a physical and emotional barrier? I ask these questions to emphasize that although the vast majority of people enthusiastically subscribe to monogamy, we shouldn't assume that it's a one-size-fits-all dynamic. And in a future episode, we'll definitely explore the fascinating dimensions and shades of monogamy. Today, I want to give you an overview of consensual non-monogamy, or like I said, CNM, because there are few trends that are as widely discussed and widely misunderstood as this one. When I first heard about the concept of an open relationship, I was a bit like, um, okay, is this like a new sexual kink going around? This kind of seems like a trend. What's the purpose? What's the objective? Fuck no. Like, no. Hell no. They were not to be taken seriously. I thought that this was just a partner's excuse to be able to have sex with multiple people and it not be deemed cheating. People should just stay single. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is just not gonna work. And people who engage in these type of relationships, they shouldn't be in relationships. In a world where it's already so fragile, I don't 
I really fail to see how polygamy can can help that. And that's to be expected. It's new to pop culture. It's scary. And it's not linear. There are barely any examples of CNM relationships depicted in media and even less depicted positively in media. Over now. Like we're in an open marriage. We're allowed to be with other people. Furthermore, few people have real-world examples of couples in long-term CNM relationships. And that is also why in this episode, I wanted to bring on one of my CNM couple friends, Sonny and Ken, who also host the American Podcast. And they are in the third segment of this episode. Start with the work. Like, if you're not in therapy, get a therapist. Because if you're not honest with yourself and you can't face the, the shitty things about yourself, you're not ready. Yeah, I mean, you're not ready really for a relationship at all, no matter what kind of relationship, but you're definitely not ready for multiple relationships. All right, let's talk about the different styles of CNM. First of all, let me just be clear and disclaim that a core value of CNM is consent and awareness for all parties involved. If some people know and some people are kept on a need not know basis, it is not consensual non-monogamy. From my understanding, here is what is. There's serial non-committed dating, where people have romantic connections with several people, but they don't have titles or a formal commitment to any of them. There's monogamish. And there's several definitions of monogamish out there, but the one that I like is from Dr. Jess O'Reilly. And she said it's where monogamous couples have looser boundaries around flirting and playing with attraction outside of the relationship, while still being one another's exclusive sexual and emotionally romantic partners. Then there's swinging, which I prefer to call moonlighting because the word swinging in the community that my brain pictures when I hear the word is just not, it's just not modern. Your shirt looks okay. I like it. Kind of nervous. Yeah? Why is that? Well, because it's going to be like a date. I mean, I'm glad we're having a date, don't get me wrong, but I mean, what do you think? Well, I don't know a lot about them. I mean, they seem like a similar couple, so I think it'll be a good time. In this CNM style, a couple has sexual relations with others, but usually together. Kind of like a couple who golfs together. Oh, better yet, a couple who bowls together, because that's like a team sport. Then there's open relationships, where a couple decides that they can have romantic relationships outside of their primary relationship. Now, what goes on in these extracurricular connections is up to the individuals involved to decide. And then there's polyamory, which translates to many loves. A polyamorous person is often one who identifies with being able to form and maintain romantic attachments to more than one person at a time. Now, polyamory is also an umbrella term. For example, there's monopoly relationships where one person agrees to be polyamorous and the other agrees to be monogamous. V relationships where two people are dating the same person, but not each other. Then there's triads, aka thruples, where three people are all dating. And even these styles can be broken down further because you can have an egalitarian approach or a hierarchical approach. Is that how you say that word? Hierarchical? Anyways, on a different episode, we can explore polyamory more. Moving on, the last structure of CNM that I want to talk to you about and one that I think many interested in the world of CNM identify with is free relationships. And a free relationship is one where the structure of the commitment is flexible. Perhaps because the people involved are still figuring out the whole CNM thing for themselves or because the people involved realize that life itself is kind of about figuring it out. 
And they want to be in a relationship that gives them the flexibility to do that in their intimate lives. Free relationship is currently how I describe my marriage. Now, our commitment style has gone throughout the years from serial non-committed dating to open to monogamish. And now we are a monogamous couple with an understanding that the changes in the structure of our relationship has never changed how we feel about what the two of us share. A free relationship is also Rome Green Jr.'s preferred commitment style. Rome is famously known for being a member of Dormtainment, a hilarious YouTube channel with over 1 million followers that features sketch comedy, music videos, and other creative shows. He is also the host of the Comedy Trap House podcast and the Real Boss Talk podcast. In this interview, you're going to hear from Rome as he explains why he knows monogamy is not for him and also why he understandably knows that he may not have the rest figured out just yet. We're going full speed ahead into this one right after this. We're here to talk today about feeling like you can't be successful in relationships or you aren't the kind of person who should be in a relationship, Mm -hmm. but later learning that it's not relationships that you can't be in. It's monogamy and the style of monogamy that's pushed down our throats in mainstream culture. Yep. That's exactly it. That's the title of the episode. Meaning I have learned so much about myself within this last probably year to year and a half being in therapy talking to my dad, learning like certain triggers when I was in certain relationships and how I deal with those now. And I'm like, okay, I figured out what my style is, even from the test that we took that you, uh, yes, that you forced on me. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you, Rome is speaking about my commitment style quiz, my most popular quiz. Yes, it's free. That helps you determine what commitment style you're currently best suited for. If you are interested in taking it, go to the game of desire, which is my book, thegameofdesire.com slash commitment. And if you are really interested in getting to know your intimate self, do all of my fave quizzes, some I made and semi-sourced in one place over at shanboudram.com slash workbook. But I, I enjoyed it because it really, that was, I think, where the shift started. Because I always, me coming from a background of living in the South, uh, you know, born in Germany, lived in Boston, lived in Panama. So I was able to see a lot, but being having those country roots, it's tough because you grow up, it's like, be with this one person and don't you ever leave them. And if you leave them, you're bad. And if you if you leave them, you're going to get shunned from everybody. And, and if you're attracted to anybody else. And if you're else. attracted to anybody else, oh my God. Oh yeah, don't, don't you dare be a human being and look at anything else. And so having that notion growing up, it stifled me when it came to a lot of relationships. And I always wondered why I would be in relationships and still feel, I feel like I was in a in a, a box and I was screaming to get out, but I was so scared of the judgment from partner at the time, from parents at the time, or even from friends. Like, bro, you tripping? Like, why would you be looking at him? Or why would you be? I'm just like, something ain't adding up here. So then when I did your test and the answer came to a free relationship, I didn't really even know what that meant for me. I put it like this. One of the last girls I dated, she was bisexual and it really opened my eyes because she kind of gave me for the first time that free relationship style. And what I realized is, oh, I had so much freedom. I was very monogamous. Very interesting. And that, and I yes. literally, I was like, huh. Because all her rules were, or boundaries, was, was, our boundaries were, I would like you to not 
be pillow talking, get emotionally attached to another girl. I just ask that you come to me first. We discuss it. And who knows? She would like ask me for the first time. She asked me, how'd you feel if I genuinely liked another girl? And I didn't know how to answer. I was like, you know, what? I never thought about it like that. Is that how the conversation began? Yeah, that's how the conversation. I was like, I don't know. I don't. In my mind now, I'm like, I'm, but I'm like, but no, if you truly are attached to somebody else, I might not like that. She said, how do you feel if I like another woman sexually? I said, okay, well, that doesn't bother me. And I was like, oh, so I don't like being emotionally involved with too many people either. Mm. And so when I kind of brought up the free relationship thing to her, she was like, well, that makes sense for kind of the both of us because it's not that I need to be running around and making connections with everybody. It's just I'm a little bit more sexually open. And I was afraid to say that for so long. I was so afraid to say that because I'm just like, man, we're so afraid, especially black men, I believe. We're so afraid to wind up as another statistic. Oh, just another black man that's out here want to run around and or oh, just another black man out here creating babies or another black man in an unsuccessful relationship or another black man that don't know how to treat his woman. It's just like, all right, man, I'm figuring out who I am as a man. And I figured out that, oh, I just like the freedom of. yes. And the freedom of makes me feel comfortable to where I'm not like, oh, God, I'm not looking at anybody. It makes me feel like, oh, OK, well, if I, I could if I wanted to. But what a free relationship really is, means to me is that our relationship style is not what binds us together yeah. or what cements our agreement to try to stay together. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's the most beautiful part about it. I said for me, because I, I mean, I've said this on multiple. I think I said it on JD's podcast. I, love doesn't just keep people together. It's oh, not you want, that. You want to just dilute how special this thing in here? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I basically said this everywhere else. I didn't say I it. like exclusives, Rome. Okay. So you better okay. reword it in All a right, way let me you've never it. said before. Um, I've once said before. Mm -mm. I've never said this before Thank until you. this special podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts I've been on, that it's hard to base a lifelong partnership with just love. For example, I love my mom. If somebody asks me, have you lied to your mom, disappointed her, or deceived her in any way? Absolutely. <laughs> Does that mean I don't love her? No, I do love her. Because people always scream. Also, uh, the structure of the way that you've loved your mom and how you guys have been in relationship has changed multiple times. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys are still living together. We're not still living together. Probably She never don't talk will. to me like a little boy no more. <laughs> like, I'm a grown man. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to bed right now. <laughs> but growth keeps people together. Being able to be like, hey, you know what? For the next three months, I think we should go to Europe and experience new sex life together. Before I knew that I liked the free relationship or that style of relationship, I would be so afraid to come to my partner and say, look, I'm having some thoughts. I love you. I love what we have going on. But I want to experience some more things. I, I want to experience it not alone with you or in a way that is comfortable for both of us. I would be so afraid to say that because, well, what you mean? And da, da, da. Or why you look at why? Why am I not good enough for I didn't say any of that. I'm just saying as a human, as a man and how I'm evolving, I want to experience some things. And I had to come to terms kind of like Jared, that I'm just a flirt. Yes. It's not going anywhere. No time soon. And don't want it to. Don't want it to. It probably to. helps you in your creativity. Probably I love helps it. you in your business. It helps you to have more fun when you're out. That's that's how I talk to people. Mm. Men and women. Sometimes you gotta flirt with the guys, like, hey man. Nice watch. Oh, man, don't, don't tell me. I like your haircut, bro. Oh, man, bro. you know, you got you to gotta flirt. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know if it's society. I don't know if it's, we're just so afraid to be our full selves. Yes. 
like how I used to do in in partnerships or people I dated or whatever, I would tell half truths instead of the whole truth. And so I feel like sometimes we live a life of halfway, one foot in, one foot out. Like, all right, I'm going to kind of be myself today. But if I feel anybody judging me, I'm going to pull that back in. And I, I've gotten to a place where I just, I'm so free now that I'm understanding who I am as a man and what I like and what I don't like and my boundaries. And, and it feels good. Yes. It, it really, it, it genuinely feels good because now when I date someone new or talk to someone new, I tell them out the gate, this is what I like. This is my type of style. And hopefully they're open enough to not just hear, he just want to have bitches. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I just need to not feel so controlled and locked in. Like I've heard people be in relationships, like some homies would be like, yeah, you know, I got to go. I can't, I can't go out to the club with y'all right now. Or I can't go out because, you know, my, you know, my old lady might say something. What you mean? You're a grown ass man. Yeah. Like, go live. Like, well, yeah, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm like, that sounds so. Ugh. Right. And I, I will often say this, that we spend our entire life trying to get freedom and autonomy. And so you have to wait until you're 16 to go out by yourself. And then, 18 until you can buy certain things yeah. and then 21 until you can drink and then 25 till you can rent a car and you're constantly on this trying to figure out a way that you don't have to ask for permission right? yeah. you can just yeah. do things your own way and then once you hit 25 you get into a serious relationship and then now you have another supervisor mm -hmm. who you have to ask everything of can I go out tonight is it okay if I like this person is it okay if I follow this Instagram page and then you set yourself back almost it's like yeah. when do you get to a place in life where what you think is right Everybody else says, okay, like you get to decide what's right for yourself. And there's nobody else who is assessing whether or not that's a valid choice. Yeah. And that was a really big thing for me of when you're choosing to be with me, you have to love all of me, including my decision making, mm -hmm. my rationale, and also my judgment. If I am talking to somebody else, understand that I'm making a choice that I think is healthiest for me. And if we're together, I'm considering you in that. So instead of it looking at it like, you know, I have to police what you do. I have to police mm -hmm. when you interact with others, giving that trust and space to say, well, if you decide it's good, there must be a valid reason for that. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said. This is what's healthiest for me. It is me being selfish, but it's also me understanding that what you're going to do for your health is for you. And we don't have to, it doesn't have to be at odds. But what I'm doing is making a conscious effort to bring peace to my life. And that's where I'm at Ooh. right now. I'm making a conscious effort mm -hmm. to chase wellness right now in my life. Like that's where I'm at. And somebody broke it down. It was like, there's a, a lot of times we're just chasing purpose. And in that chasing purpose, we get anxiety because we don't, might not hit the purpose or we might not. But if we're chasing wellness, you're hitting all facets of your spirituality, your your mentality, your relationships. You're chasing this well-rounded, peaceful life. And I was like, that's the space I'm in right now. Everything that, that I'm involved in, I want it to be peaceful. Granted, we live on planet Earth. Right. Things won't always be peaceful, but I can make a conscious effort in knowing that, hey, if this this is bringing me peace. I'm for it. If it's not, what's the best way that I can either completely remove it from my life or talk and, and figure it out? Because for a long time and still to this day in certain moments, I struggle with people pleasing. And even even in therapy, my therapist was like, how does this sound for you? Rome, you're a bad person and I don't like the way you did this and da, da, da. How does it make you feel instantly? I was like, oh, it's just no good. Uh, God, please. I, was, I, was, I don't like it. She was like, you, you, you putting too much weight on what people may have an opinion of about you. It's like, 
people are going to have their opinions, but that doesn't affect who you are. You know, you're a good person. Like you, you don't have to try to be like, Hey, leave me a good Yelp review. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They might not. Mm -hmm. She was like, you might have to live with the fact that they might think you're an asshole. I think a big part about chasing peace is introducing yourself to people as you know yourself to be. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of people are like, one, maybe I'll be able to hide my true self in this relationship so it won't come up. Mm -hmm. Or two, maybe I'll be different in this relationship so I'm not going to bring it up in hopes that I'll be cured. Meaning I won't cheat, I won't have one Mm -hmm. or or I won't want to flirt anymore. So I'm not going to introduce myself as I am, which sets you up for confusion and catastrophe in the relationship when that person meets the real versions of you or other sides of you that they Mm -hmm. didn't know. So how has introducing yourself as you are, who you are, who you know yourself to be today impacted your new relationships? She may ask me, what am I? When's la- why haven't you been in a relationship in a long time? That's usually... Why haven't you been in a relationship in a long time? Well, I haven't been in a relationship for a long time <laughs> because I haven't found the relationship style that fits the kind of relationship that I like, which is a little bit more free and a little bit more loose. Meaning that I need to create a space where I can still flirt I can still be myself. Does that mean I'm going to be out running around the city on you? No, but what it does mean is that I'm aware that I am attracted to the opposite sex a lot. I don't need to be emotionally attracted to them, but sexually I am. But I just need to feel comfortable enough to where I can come to you and be like, hey, babe, that girl over there, she was kind of cute. And you not have an immediate reaction of, oh, he hates me or he doesn't like me. I'm actually trying to include you because I want you to be a part of this. That's Pretty much how I try to explain it because they think it's it's all about sex. But for me, it's genuinely ownership, kind of like you can't do nothing. Like I'm like, no, I can. I'm a human. I can move around. I want to, you know what I'm saying? It's the ownership aspect of it where I'm like, all right, I just need a little bit of breathing room. And I like my space, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I do like my space. I don't need to be up under the person. Some people, I can be in a room with somebody and they not speak to me. And that's enough for me. Desiring other people is fun. Yeah, Having yeah. crushes, like even at the bare minimum to your point, right? Like there's so many different ways to open yourself up. Mm-hmm. What you're kind of talking about is monogamish. Mm-hmm. And monogamish is we don't ever engage with other people, but you can go to a strip club. I can flirt with somebody in the DMs. We can flirt with the waiter when we're out. We mm-hmm. don't necessarily ever engage with that person, mm-hmm. but we allow that the the dam of desire is open. Yeah. That it flows through us. And we yeah. acknowledge that we aren't each other's only source for that. Yeah. I think the step further is open where it's like, I'd like to actually engage with people. Yeah. Um, but open to what, of course, isn't a one size fits all either. Say I'm out on a tour somewhere and I'm like, man, I'm itching for some physical touch or something, you know. And I thought you were going to say vagina. Or some vagina. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> like, and like, kind of like in the last relationship, I would call and be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Mm. This is a person that I'm interested in in a sexual way. And a lot of girls are like, for some reason, that part don't bother me. It's if you told me, hey, I'm interested in this girl. We just got back from an hour long conversation on this nice candlelit hilltop over here. And man, she told me about like this time when she was little and how it affected her childhood. Because now we're getting in a in a deeper. It's more so. No, no. Bust your nut. Get your rocks off and let's not speak about it anymore. Well, I got to ask the million dollar question. Are you comfortable with your partner also engaging? No. Fascinating. You said no very quickly. Let me say I haven't experienced it. Okay. And so 
in my mind, I feel like I wouldn't be because I feel like a lot of women are emotionally involved with men when next stuff comes. Mm -hmm. And so that would bother me immediately because I'd be like, you don't really like the women I've dealt with. It feels like it takes them a lot to even have sex with the guy. So I'm just like, are you emotionally attached or is this just sexual? Sometimes in my mind, it's hard to believe for that for women it's just sexual. Mm. Just in my experience. So for me, I could love you with all my heart and see Susan at, at the coffee shop, have sex with Susan and never think about Susan again. I don't know if that's the same for, all, for a lot so of women. So you were in a relationship with somebody who was bisexual yeah, yeah. and they were open. Yeah, but she, it I think a, it was, was comfortable it, for me because she didn't really want other men. So it was only okay because she was open to other women. Yeah, she was just open to other women and she was like, I don't really, I'm really, I'm kind of afraid of a lot of guys. So yes. like, she was like, I'm comfortable with you. Well, but I, I would yeah. honestly say that you are step one in the evolutionary chart in moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of penis carriers are interested in having openness, mm -hmm. but would never consider their partner mm -hmm. being open. Mm -hmm. As a result, they don't ever even admit that they would want that because mm -hmm. they don't want a world where the other person can say, hang yeah. on, this isn't fair. Yeah. So they're like, I would rather just cheat, mm -hmm. get caught, say sorry, and beg for forgiveness as I've done in my previous relationships. I'd be too sleepy to cheat. I can't. <laughs> you got to be up late at night and doing this. <laughs> well, I would rather wait till I get caught Mm -hmm. rather than me telling you this is what I want because yeah. the natural question after you say hey I want this to be open mm -hmm. is does that work both ways yeah. and right now your answer is I'm not sure I'm not if sure. in success we could do that Yeah, no, 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 and I, that's fair I, just, yeah. I mean like I think it's, a, it's moving in the right direction of course the goal is to get to a place where you acknowledge the same desires that are mm -hmm. in you and the same need to connect with other people mm -hmm. that makes you feel like a better version of yourself yeah. as a result brings a better version of Rome to the relationship mm -hmm. that's what happens on the other side gotcha yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think and I think that is beautiful so maybe it just takes meeting the right person to make me feel comfortable about it. Who, who knows? I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I always buck up against that. Um, I feel like I yelled at JD because he said this about male that's, vulnerability. That's my 50% JD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other room. Um, the other room. <laughs> I was talking about this with JD because when we have something that is so societally conditioned, mm -hmm. right? So the vast majority of people are going to have the school of thought because we have been taught to love a certain way for thousands of years. So your grandma, your grandpa, every movie, yeah. et cetera. So when you say we meet the right person, what you're really talking about is somebody who's been able to deprogram themselves in this very specific way. That has nothing to do with gotcha. how good of a lover that person would gotcha. be, how compatible yeah, yeah. they would be with you, where they live, what yeah. their astrology sign is. Like, Just being honest, like <laughs> I'm figuring this shit out. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one, it's one day at a time and it like you said, it's not one shoe fits all. It's like, all right, well, do I like this? Can I do this? Maybe I should try this. Like, let's see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? I, I could, it could happen. I might be like, oh, I actually don't feel that bad. You know? Because I, I actually it. think, from the Jedi mind trick way. Mm -hmm. Saying that it's open on one end and then telling the other person it's not open on their end is just naturally going to breed resentment. For and sure. You have to also think about what that other person has to tell others, like yeah, their circle. For sure. So if yeah, I have yeah. to tell my circle of people, yeah, you know what? We do our own thing. We are long distance or we're not mm -hmm. always together and it's open. But then on the flip side, that someone says, well, can you date? And mm -hmm. I'm like, no. Then mm -hmm. what pressures and then you're inviting certain kinds of dialogue to like reflect on your yeah. relationship that's healthy in an unhealthy way. All right. I want to try and think about what is our, what is the message? What's the real message? All right. Do you want to talk to the men like yourself who yeah. were under 30 and thought that they could never be in a relationship? 
because they didn't know that there was other options? Do you want to talk to potential people who might be told by their partner that they want openness? Who is the audience that you want to reach and what do you want to say to them? I feel like the younger men, it's okay to feel your desires, but I think it's not okay to not live your truth with your partner that you're with. You know what I'm saying? If you truly feel like this is something that is going to create more happiness and peace for you, you got to speak up. And if this isn't the partnership for you, it's okay. We're born into this mash ball of babiness. Then we <laughs> grow up and we're just figuring stuff out and people are throwing stuff at you. You're like, oh my God. And you, you, all oh, your whole life, you're like, oh, I'm going to be married with kids at 25 and live yes. happily ever after. Then 25 hits and you're in the back of a bar throwing up. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, who am I? I'm a failure. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just figuring this shit out. I think once I realized, like, oh, don't nobody know what they're doing. I was like, okay, all right. We, we, I can really live my truth because we all are just trying to figure this stuff out. And then people who think they have it together are usually the ones that don't have it together the most. So, but yeah, that's, I think except that's. Except for me. Except for her. She's definitely got it together. Cheers to this moment. I now regret cheersing you earlier because this is a better cheers we moment. Cheers again. Cheers to this moment. Two cheers. Shout out to Rome for always bringing the laughter and curiosity to our conversations. And furthermore, thank you specifically for processing out loud with us here on Lovers and Friends, a podcast about a topic that you are well aware comes with a lot of judgment. You are a real one for that. And in general, Rome's a real one overall. To see for yourself, make sure you follow him on Instagram at iromalot, which is a really funny handle given the episode. Um, that's I-R-O-M-E-A-L-O-T. And make sure you subscribe to Dormtainment YouTube channel to never miss an update. Next up, as promised, I'm bringing in a couple who are one of the first long-term CNM couples that I met in real life, whom I still look to and learn from to this day. Ken Melvinberg and Sonny Megatron, aka Sex Ed Superheroes. Sonny is a certified sex educator who was awarded XBiz 2021 Sexpert of the Year. And as a duo, Sonny and Ken are partners in every sense of the word. In addition to co-producing the Showtime original series, Sex with Sonny Megatron, that's actually where I first met them. The pair also hosts the award-winning American Sex Podcast, which I've also been a guest on a couple times. They are here to share their success story and to offer some words of advice for the roams of the world. Also, I was not about to pass up an opportunity for a double date, so I invited the hubs which I don't ever call you that, so I apologize. I invited Jer Brady, and he is also joining me to ask Sonny and Ken a bunch of personal questions. But before we do that, let's get into this real quick. The reason I asked you guys to come on is because you are one of the first couples that I met who identified as being in a consensually non-monogamous. At the time, I think you had told me it was an open marriage. So I look at what you've had and I've always referenced it back to say that there are people who have been successfully doing this and navigating it, navigating it with children, navigating it through life, through business, et cetera. And you have always been role models for me in this way. Thank you for the compliment, I'm so flattered that we're... We're your consensually non-monogamous, I don't know, <laughs> role models or whatever. But yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Is this your first, um, this style of relationship? For me, no. I started off, uh, I've had different sorts of relationships that sort of led up to this. And in a previous marriage, uh, we had sort of an open relationship and sort of not, but there was terrible communication um, involved around it on both of our parts. 
And that led me to the place, the good place that I was when I met Sonny, because I was able to have to be able to set boundaries and say, I want to have an open relationship. But that doesn't mean I don't want you to be, you know, my main person in the, the, the love of my life. You know, none of that was mutually exclusive. And we and I think one of the big things with us is that going into it, Sonny was very new and I had to go at a pace she was comfortable with, not a pace I was comfortable with mm. and with people. So like, I, I remember one of our first times, which was amazing. She chaperoned me and uh, my partner on a date so she could see what was going on because I have no problem handing her my cell phone, look at my emails, come with me on a date, totally be there for just so that you can answer those unanswered questions that's in your head. For me, I had always felt uh, that you know, normative monogamy just felt unnatural. You know, the the lies, the hiding, the, the ownership, the control over your partner's behaviors. However, that's all I knew. And that's all I thought. That's the only, I didn't think I had a choice. You know, that, that was it or nothing. And uh, I just kind of tooled along in life mm. miserable. Uh, and then I, I realized, hey, there there is consensual non-monogamy. And I didn't realize this until I was, gosh, like in my 30s. Ken, you said something that I think um, I would love to unpack a little bit more. That Because I think when most people think of uh, different styles of relationship, they think it's boundaryless. Because I think most people are thinking like, oh, well, if you're in an open relationship, then there's no such thing as cheating or there's no such thing as doing your partner wrong because it's just open. Um, how did you guys navigate the rules and who set the rules or did you guys do it together? There's two things about any relationship that makes it good or not that makes it good, but makes it have longevity. Um, in, in my experience in 53 years on this here earth, uh, I think that it's adaptability. Number one, especially again, if you're a cis man, be adaptable, learn to listen more, and just communicate honestly and openly. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that Sonny and I have a solid relationship, but I've had questionable relationships with other people that have crossed boundaries. And there was one instance when there was a poly partner, there was like a, a girlfriend, and she ended up cheating on me. Mm. Um, and it was more about that... Are and what what does cheating mean in this context? I think is is probably what everybody is thinking. Um, she had a so we had agreed if we had other partners, we were simply going to tell each other. That was it. There was no um, yes or no. There was no veto. It was just inform the other person. And she ended up starting a relationship with somebody, and then um, got involved, and then there was lies on top of it, and it was just something that was, a, you know, a case of self-sabotage, I think. Mm. But they could have chose not to hurt me and still gotten all of the stuff done that they wanted to. And I think that was, that's sort of what the hurt is. One of the other things is that there may be certain little things, and I like to talk to my partners about it because making Sunny happy is one of my major priorities in life. It's, you know, regardless of what other, you know, partners I have, um, my main kink is Sunny. I think one thing that's important to note, though, when it comes to boundaries in a consensually non-monogamous relationship is to not lay those boundaries at the expense of the, you know, third or fourth or, you know, non-anchor partner. I think what's so fascinating about 
what's been shared here is, and especially Sunny, what you said about your entry into consensual non-monogamy, which I think many people relate to, is that maybe you didn't have examples or you didn't see it in a movie or your parents weren't like this, that you were like, this is for me. You just knew that what existed and what was being advertised as the norm wasn't for you. So in the interview prior with Rome, Rome really approached it from that angle where he was like, I just realized I don't thrive in those settings. I don't like myself. I get resentful towards my partner. I feel better when I have control over this part of my life. But also his entry point was, yes, I've realized that this makes me feel good and that I want to pursue consensual non-monogamy. However, I'm not ready to let my partner do the same. Mm-hmm. And that's a new term that I learned, which is called monopoly, which is for people who want to be consensually non-monogamous or polyamorous, but they are the only person in the relationship who is permitted to do that. What are your thoughts on that? That was my ex-relationship. That's why uh, we got divorced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't a valid relationship choice for me. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on that. Again, it's all, a, if it's about the intention and the ethics with the mutual consent of both partners, and it is done thoughtfully, and maybe it's done as a stepping stone. Like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not just ready to dive in, and there's no jealousy, and everything's easy, and we're going to use this as a stepping stone. But there there needs to be that intention that, A, we all agree to this, and we're all cool with it, And B, it is not going to devolve into something toxic and controlling. I can give you one example of a relationship that's positive in that aspect. And this is a couple that I knew where the the woman in the relationship, this was a hetero relationship with two cis people, and the woman in the relationship wanted to have um, that sort of dynamic. But what she really wanted was to cuckold her husband, and he wanted to be cuckolded. I think where a lot of people mess up when they enter in different styles of relationships is they think that an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship is the key t- to fixing a infidelity problem. And yeah, it's not. No. <laughs> it's 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 not going to fix your honesty problem. It's not going to fix uh, uh, your communication problem. All it's going to do is expose more of your toxic behaviors. I don't want people to make the same mistakes that they're already making in a, in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, also, Rome, we're not judging you. Like, I don't know Rome's particulars in any way, shape, or form. And like we're saying, most of the people that say this, and, yeah. this is, and I am generalizing here because when there is some truth to anecdotes, yeah. but when you see the... You know, um, usually, usually it's a cis hetero dude that wants to have multiple partners, but no accountability to those partners in an emotional or an honest communication sort of way. It's a way for them to get out of that. But the thing about uh, polyamory is it forces you to have those really vulnerable on the level conversations that you may tend to run away from when you're in a monogamous relationship because you have no reason to have them. We should all be having those conversations about our desires, our jealousy, you know, whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of people listening right now who I think that, you know, the the one thing that they're all curious about is jealousy. Is there jealousy in these type, type of relationship and how, if there is, how do you navigate through it. Jealousy 
isn't a, a, an emotional state on its own. It's really a cover for insecurity, for uh, anger, for, you know, sadness, for fear that maybe your relationship is going to end, whatever it is. So it's necessary to go, okay, I feel jealous and honor that. And when I first started, uh, you know, our relationship, I felt jealousy and I had to figure out why. I would feel jealousy if, let's say, Ken would be going out on a date because, yes, there's what they call couples privilege when you have, you know, anchor partners like us. We have a lot of privileges because we're married. We're spouses. We have a lot of emotional and just life entanglements that maybe uh, another partner of Ken's is not ever going to have with him just by logistics alone. However, that other partner has privileges I don't, like always seeing Ken when he's at his best. He's got his date face on. He's got his nice clothes on. He like, you know, shaved extra good. They're going to a fancy restaurant. They're doing fun things. She never gets to see Ken when it's like, oh, God, we have to clean a garage or go to a PTA meeting or do something that nobody wants to do. Right. Um, so. I realized that was a part of source of my jealousy was you get to go out and be fun. Someone gets to tap into your fun Ken side where I get clean the garage Ken. And when I would feel that jealousy, it would be my signal like, hey, I've had too much clean the garage Ken. I need some go out to dinner Ken in my life. Do you find that when your partner comes back from being with somebody else it gives them an energy. Like we know when your partner goes and does something that they feel really great about. They go to work and they give a bomb ass speech and then they come back home and they're on a high and then you benefit from that. Do you feel that too? Like Garage Ken's actually a lot more fun if he's gone out to dinner with somebody else first. You know, I very much love that. I also get the leftovers when you go out to fancy <laughs> dinner and you bring home the doggy bag. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, that's yeah, nice. Oh, wonderful. But, you know, compersion is a word that seems to be exclusive to the polyamory community. And it's described as taking joy in your another person's joy. And in this case, it would be when Ken is happy, it makes me happy to, to know like, A, he's done something fulfilling. He's, he's satisfied. He's happy. That puts a smile on my face. And sure, in the context of polyamory, that's time with another partner. But people have, I, I, I have this, this desire to make compersion a mainstream word about everything. And, and you know what? Compersion can totally be something non-sexual, non-relationship thing. If you've ever watched a baby eat like a dessert for the first time, you have compersion because you see that kid eating like a strawberry or a piece of cheesecake and it's the very first nom nom that they've had. And that is compersion. You know that feeling, you appreciate it. And it's the same thing when I see Sonny go out with one of her partners coming back. I am so happy because number one, I've been playing video games for the last three hours. Number two, she's coming home and I know that she is going to be just amazingly energetic and happy and probably just want to snuggle and just, you know, it, there's, there's only positive stuff to it from our perspective. If you were to create a pamphlet and the first page of the pamphlet says, so you want to try consensual non-monogamy, what would you put on the inside? Oh, man, I would say, like, start with yourself. Start with the work. Like, if you're not in therapy, get a therapist. Uh, because if you're not honest with yourself 
and you can't face the, the shitty things about yourself without, you know, deflecting, you're not ready. You're, I mean, you're not ready really for a relationship at all, no matter what kind of relationship, but you're definitely not ready for multiple relationships. So that, that would be my first. Uh, for me, it would be be customizable, be adaptable. And it would be as simple as that. It would just be, you know, um, one, of, one of the things about getting involved in this lifestyle is just you have to have a willingness to change and grow. And that, you know, it goes without saying that you have to have communication, but you can't have positive and honest communication without growth and without change and without being adaptable. That's what made us a keystone species. We have thumbs and we're adaptable because we have good brains. That's the things that separate us. Like the only other super critter on this entire planet is viruses. And we're seeing how that battle's going right now. Hopefully our thumbs and our brains can beat the virus's adaptability. I think in that pamphlet too, there would be something about boundaries. And I think we've really kind of gone back and forth in this conversation because, you know, Ken, you talked about that that was an integral part of the success of what you and Sonny shared, but also boundaries can also be very toxic. They can be limiters and they can be the opposite of the spirit of what consensual non-monogamy is. So what would you say to really say in this particular style of relationship, here's where boundaries can be tools and here's where they can be weapons? Boundaries in all respects, not just consensual non-monogamy, oftentimes we do them wrong. Boundaries are not about controlling another person, um, which oftentimes we approach them that way. They are about what you are willing to, you know, put up with, respond to, etc. And I might add one thing to that is when you do walk away from a situation which is completely valid, go back and revisit it. Because that is as essential as leaving. Don't leave the situation unresolved. It can be the next day. It can be a week from then. But like when things are cooler and uh, heads are calm, you have to revisit that stuff and you have to talk about it. Otherwise, it becomes a festering issue. And a lot of our relationship is just like, you know, ripping off these little scabs and necrotic tissue. And, you know, it hurts. Like, you know, like when you talk about something, oftentimes it isn't comfortable. Uh, it takes you out of your that comfort zone and you, you don't feel safe anymore. But our relationship is blossoming. It is just, it, it's never been better. I look at Sunny and I just, I'm in love with her every time that I look at her more and more and more every year. It sincerely gets better, sweetheart. Every year it gets better. Can we all just give a super huge, enthusiastic, ravenous applause for Sunny and Ken? You can find Sunny and Ken at the following places. SunnyMegatron.com, AmericanSexPodcast.com, TikTok.com slash SunnyMegatron, and on Ken's weekly D&D live stream that raises money for a sex worker mutual aid fund at Twitch.tv slash ThunderPantsAcademy. And as always, I am so grateful to Jared for being my life partner in business, in marriage, in parenthood, and specifically in this conversation. Make sure you follow Jared on Instagram at Enjoy Jared Brady and tune in every Monday to his podcast, Enjoy the Podcast, wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Also, one more shout out for Rome, who is at iRomalot on Instagram. And before we go, I have a couple final thoughts. But first, I want to kick it back to all of you to hear your thoughts on CNM. I'm polyamorous and have two partners and practice ethical non-monogamy in my daily life. I feel like 
I have learned so much about myself as an individual and it has been a beautiful way to uh, look at love as an abundant thing and not a limited resource as well as my attitudes towards jealousy have completely changed. I started reading this book recently called A Therapist's Guide to Consensual Non-Monogamy by Rhea Orion. And it's actually educated me a lot and it has opened my perspective to playing with the idea that this actually might not be that bad. And in my adult life now, I've been able to meet um, people who are non-monogamous, open in different situations, and I've liked exploring with them. However, I've never had a partner to explore that with. My first thoughts, as soon as I heard about it and I started doing my like preliminary research, was like, oh my God, I found it. Like, I finally felt like understood and seen. I felt as though like, oh, I'm not broken or wrong or um, evil or bad or gross for, you know, being with someone, but still wanting more outside of this and knowing that it couldn't fulfill every, you know, aspect of my multi-dimensional self. Um, and, and then I think directly after that, <laughs> the same feelings of like grossness and ill and all of that started to flood in because of conditionings and limiting thoughts and beliefs. And also just seeing people's reactions to when I would first bring it up definitely bothered me a lot and affected me negatively. I think now I'm in a better place with it, even though I am still learning how to bring that into my life in healthy ways. I love this episode and I truly hope that you see the humanity in this episode. I can't think of a better term for it, but what I'm really trying to say is it's difficult to do anything. It is way more difficult to do anything that goes against the grain of society or goes against popular culture. Um, and so when we're trying to adopt these new relationship styles that go against what we learned growing up and what we see modeled as, as successful relationships today, there's a lot of struggle with that. And as a result, most people aren't gonna get it right. As a matter of fact, I asked Jared if he thought that we entered into CNM the right way. And he said, uh, I don't know if we did it properly. It worked out, but I don't know if we did it the right way. If I knew then what I know now, I think there would be a couple other steps that I would take. So I'm hoping we can continue this conversation around consensual non-monogamy. It's obviously a topic that I feel extremely connected to and fascinated by, and I want to continue to hear your stories on it. Um, speaking of stories, I realize that at the end of the podcast, I'm always telling y'all the same things go rate, which, you know, you guys are not doing. I don't know why. We'll figure it out together as a team, but you were really rah-rah in the beginning, but you cooled off. It's like you're love bombing me. Um, or maybe it's just no more people listen to podcasts other than the first 1800. And after that, we've capped off. So that's also possible. That's not what I'm here to, I'm not here to guilt trip you into rating. Yes, I am. But I realize that there's other things too. Uh, as I mentioned in this podcast, I also have a book out. It's called The Game of Desire, Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance and Getting What You Want. It's one of my most favorite things I've done today, other than the podcast, which is now number one. But prior to the podcast, this was my favorite piece of content that I've created. I'm still so proud of it. So make sure you check that out. And if you enjoy my voice, I read the audiobook, So you can listen to that. I'm actually restarting my book proposal for book number three right now. So that's why books are top of mind for me. And also top of mind is continuing to find ways to include you in this podcast. And to do that, let's keep in touch. Go to shanboudram.com slash list to join my mailing list or 
follow me on socials. I'm Shan Booty on Twitter and Instagram and Real Shan Booty on TikTok. Have an amazing week. We'll talk next week. Bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. Yeah, and I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shamboodram, and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, Two West Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher. 